Welcome to the 4Bits Podcast, Episode 4. I'm Erin, half of the 4Bits team, and in true Carmen Sandiego style, can you figure out where I am this week? Because I'm only going to be here for 24 more hours. As always, I'm the opinionated optimist, the newly realized hotel coffee snob. And I'm Megan Wu. I'm at home this week in the Sunshine City in the Sunshine State. I have a slowly evolving coffee accessory and indoor plant habit slash problem. <laughs> uh, I don't know either, but it's fun. We're longtime friends here to talk with you about topics that involve or revolve around the information security industry, uh, cybersecurity news, and the hacking community. All opinions are our own and could change at any given time, usually within five minutes of stating our last opinion. We hope you enjoy the show. So Megan, this has been a hot topic and definitely it's one that's been close to all of our hearts. So today we're going to discuss burnout. To get things started, what does the word burnout mean to you? Not the person burnout. <laughs> Not like the beach bum burnout. Not the, like the guy that's looking like he's having a really good time burnout. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but burnout means to me, I guess it's more of a feeling where you're just to borrow, you know, what the kids these days say when you literally cannot even <laughs> anymore in either a personal or like professional kind of standpoint, you know? Okay. I agree with everything that you said. For me, I don't know that I've had moments where I've been able to self-identify. I just know what it feels like to feel underwater, to feel where you're having trouble controlling everything that's going on in your life. And so that's, that's a little why I have a little problem def defining between occupational burnout and per, you know personal burnout and all these different things, because I think a lot of it ends up being a mushy, icky, gooey ball of, of gunk. Yeah. Especially when you think about things like, okay, is it really burnout or is it mismanaged stress? Because although mismanaged stress can become burnout, burnout's not always mismanaged stress. And am I just whining and complaining to myself about how hurt it is? Right. Oh, so I, mean, I know I do that before I get like two or three cups of coffee into me. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't write this report. It's too much, too much. Yeah, but I think we've had a lot of people, especially within the information security space that have you know, done talks on it mm -hmm. and all these different things, which here's my disclaimer for the crowd. If you didn't already guess, neither Megan nor I play a mental health professional yeah. on TV or elsewhere. Nope. So please don't sue us. And your mileage may vary. Please seek professional assistance if you feel you need it. So back on track though, maybe that's a good point is from what we consider burnout, at what point do we feel that we need to seek outside assistance? Be it friend, mm -hmm. be it, I mean, and who would you even talk to? So if you're feeling all burnout, by definition of overwhelmed and all these things, mm -hmm. how do you remedy that? Who do you talk to? If I'm handling things healthily, <laughs> I'll, I have You're like- being an adult. <laughs> I know, right? When I'm being an adult, uh, what I like to do is I have a core group of people that I'll reach out to. Usually the first person that I go to when I'm feeling overwhelmed is my husband. So I can go, okay, hey, here's the situation. This is how I'm feeling. Give me a gut check. Am I overreacting? Is this valid? And usually he's like, well, if it feels valid to you, then it's valid. However, you might want to consider it as ABC, but he knows how to phrase it and tone it so that way I don't go on the defensive. So I guess if you have like <laughs> a trusted advisor kind of friend or family member or whatever to go to, mm -hmm. that would be a good place to start. If you don't have a mental health therapist you can go to, or even a general practitioner, we had somebody write into us saying that their GP actually identified that they were uh, going down on a downward spiral 
That's really good for the GP because not many of not many GPs are paying attention enough to the physical tells yeah. of, of what I'll call stress breakdown. And that's another area where I will, I'll kind of tie that into how I feel about burnout is I feel that there's a level of stress that any person can handle at any given time and every, your mileage varies as my stress level and your stress level are probably different. But there's a point where it takes a physical toll and whether or not I notice it, that's great that somebody's GP actually noticed and said, hey, might need to make some adjustments. Yeah, because I know that I'm bad about it where I actually thrive in this short period of high stress, that's where I get like the best writing done. Um, a lot of my talk ideas come from that period of high levels of stress. Mm-hmm. But if I'm in there too long, then I start feeling disengaged. Like I stop going to the gym. I stop eating as well as I usually do or drinking water, which is a huge thing. Sometimes if you're feeling like crap, take a nap or drink a glass of water. <laughs> nap. That sounds so amazing. I know. <laughs> and I, I can say, at least from my own personal experience, stress manifests in my insomnia. Yeah. Absolutely. And unfortunately, there's only so many things that you can do to work your way out of it. I mean, you have to take action. The label burnout, I love talking through it with you because I I think that we all have a different definition of what burnout actually means. Does it mean overstressed? What does it really, really mean? Yeah, everybody has like their own, like you said, their own different version. There is the clinical (laughs) definition. And because I'm living in that world right now, I can like bust that out. Pre-doctor, Megan. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, Basically... Burnout is characterized as high and prolonged levels of stress that manifest itself in disengagement and exhaustion. It's when you're constantly in high levels of stress <laughs> and you've gotten to the point where, do I want to go to work today? I, I, or not even do I want to go to work. I can't go to work today because just the thought of talking to XYZ is making me ill. Like I had a job where I was run ragged. I was juggling like maybe two or three projects at a time. No respect for the person in charge because they were ill-fitted for you know their job basically. And when I tried to bring something to their attention, I was basically talked down to. So it got to the point where I'm like, well, it's not even worth bringing up. And then before one-on-ones with the manager, I would just get sick with anxiety. Oh. Yeah, it sucked. But I'm going to flip it on you, though, because mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of us think of it in the manifestations in, within work. But I know that those manifestations mm-hmm. can be flipped on the personal side as well, where, yeah, the work life might be stressing somebody out. But if their personal life, they can disengage from that. And that, I think, is mm-hmm. huge. I've seen that in a lot of people over the years, especially in our field, where they let their job and their, I'm trying to think of the best word for their, their crusade. Oh, to, I'll, to I'll say it for you, their infosec ego or persona. <laughs> I'm just saying crusade to info, oh. infosec. Like just the whole, like the, I'm thinking of the positive goodwill people that are going to the conferences and being inspired and then wanting to do more in the community and they're overtaxing themselves with everything that they're doing, that they're neglecting their personal relationship, that they're taking on so much Mm -hmm. stress, but they're disengaging from their personal relationships. 
So, I mean, I think that's a real thing as well is, is yeah. the balance and really understanding what's producing some of the stress and just going to guess that the people that are disengaging from their personal relationships, especially if those people are not involved in InfoSec on the significant other side, that's probably adding to the stress a little bit too. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. I never really thought of that because when you were talking about personal side of stress, I thought you were talking about the stress of like caregivers when a relative or somebody's sick. No, like home life for people, significant others. Or I've seen, I know of a few guys in InfoSec, not calling anybody out, but a few guys who've had not the best luck dating mm-hmm. because of their commitment to what they're doing not only in their job, but also from extracurricular infosec hacking conference and research. So where that's in their, that's their entire life. And so to find some, a significant other that can understand it and also for them to acknowledge that they need to break away and take some time to, you know, cultivate this other side of their, their persona. I think that's a really good point. And I don't think it's talked about enough when a lot of people talk about, oh, you know, trying to recover from burnout, it's, well, you got to find a new job at a certain point, or you have to address it with the leadership, but they don't talk about what have you done in your personal life at home to kind of combat some of that work stress. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to ask you, (laughs) what what do you do to (laughs) de-stress? It's so funny. You're giving the clinical definition of it. I'm like, oh, that's like, (laughs) 2012 through 2018. (laughs) No, no, to combat it. Oh, it's hard. And I do a poor job of it most of the time. I do try, I've gotten really into road tripping. And what I mean by that as to why it helps me is because it's dedicated time that I have to be behind the wheel driving. And when I'm driving, I can't I can't be on Twitter. I can't be on, you know, on my email constantly. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to things that are personal development things that kind of reduce my stress a little bit. Now, granted, when I get to wherever I'm stopping at, I end up being a hot mess as I'm trying to catch up to whatever I missed on whatever time zone I was in. But that's probably the biggest thing that I've done. But obviously you can't do that all the time. So again, I fail because I could tell you all the things I should be doing (laughs) that I'm not absolutely not doing. The best thing that I think I do for myself, and we can talk about this a little bit more on one of our next episodes we have queued up, is it has to do with a little bit of work-life integration slash balance, is for me, it's me avoiding procrastination. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm the queen of having multiple lists and Trello boards and a lot of things that keep me organized enough that I feel like I'm on top of everything in my life, not only my professional life, but my work life. I said professional and work life. That was great for my mind. Is. Oh. I mean, my personal life and my professional life. So, so right at you, what do you, what do you do to keep from sinking? Well, kind of like what you said, and unfortunately the folks who are listening to this can't see it. So we're on video together, but I'm showing it here in my to-do list. Nice. That's and I have hand, it broken up. It's a between... handwritten list, folks, on a nice, like a legal pad too, which makes it even better. <laughs> And it's broken up by like work tasks, school tasks, home tasks, and misc. Misc. <laughs> Not miscellaneous, just misc. Misc. <laughs> I am an named animal that, by the way. That is the best name. <laughs> misc. <laughs> but yeah, so I find that my to-do lists help to a point because I can I find that at 
at a certain point, I use my to-do list as another way to procrastinate. Here's a funny, I'm laughing really hard at this right now because I have to be honest with you. This is my confessional. Okay. So I, I got that lovely <laughs> journal. Oh, the best self? Yeah, the best self yes. journal, right? Which would be amazing if I stopped procrastinating starting to do it. <laughs> I actually had it out this afternoon going, today I'm going to start. I'm going to, yes. But every time I'm like not committing to writing everything I should write in it. I'm like, oh. Oh. So best intentions. But yes, I, I love, I love that you have a handwritten list. So that's a part of it. And then going to the gym in the morning. So I, go, I started CrossFit around this time last year, but I haven't really committed to it until earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And then my little sister signed up. So she's kind of my accountability buddy. <laughs> it helps. It does. Because when I don't go, she doesn't go because she doesn't drive. I have that extra built-in level of guilt, I guess. <laughs> or if I don't do this thing for myself, I'll also be causing someone else harm, which just like screws with me hardcore. But... Uh. But then I feel really good afterwards, like I did a thing. And then some days when I can't even manage to do that, like I'm just so stressed or I have so much on my plate and I procrastinated too much. Sometimes just doing something as simple as like, I made the bed today. Absolutely. I I washed my face. I have these mornings and maybe a lot like a lot of other people that are listening where I'm... I'm not a morning person by design. I'm a morning person (laughs) by force. So I have to be up. I have to take calls. I have to do what I have to do to do my adulting correctly, apparently. But big projects that are not my morning projects. So for me, like you said, I really like that I need to go exercise in the morning because I think it's the best time for me to accomplish it. But I do all my small tasks in the morning. So at least by lunchtime, I've accomplished X, Y, and Z things for my day as opposed to just sitting and procrastinating the big thing that I needed to do all day. Yeah. I like that. Maybe some Because there's some days where you're in that funk and you're like, I know I have this big frog I need to eat, the ugly frog, but I don't want (laughs) to. So let me attack these little tadpoles first. It's all all about (laughs) metaphors. Something else that someone messaged us when we were talking about this last week initially, they were asking how would they talk to their employer about that? And I'm really curious about what your opinion is. I'm cringeworthy on that one a little bit. And it's not because I think it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't, I've thought about this one a lot, especially in the last week. And I just cannot consume how to a- approach that correctly. That's such a, you have to know how you're, you have to have a great relationship with your employer. Number yeah. one, if you have a great relationship, then that should be a very easy conversation. But if you have a boss that maybe you're distant from, that you don't have a good relationship with, maybe you're not really sure how corporate culture is, that might be a lot harder of one. Again, there's like, I feel there's just a tremendous amount of layers to take in consideration. If I was going to do anything at all, I would suggest for somebody just to go talk to HR and I know that's, again, cringeworthy in its own right, but that might be the best place to start and say, again, nothing against your, your manager or anything, but I'm having struggles. Mm-hmm. Where do I go? Kind of thing. That's what they're technically supposed to be around for. What do you think? <laughs> I'm, so I'm debating. Like I'm, I keep bouncing between it because I agree with you where it really depends on the relationship that someone has with their manager and the company culture. 
because if it's not a company culture where they like support mental health initiatives and employee wellness, that might be an issue, right? They might be like, oh, okay, well, we got to get you straight to a therapist and maybe you're not there, right? Maybe there's some interventions that can happen at the manager level that they can do to help before you get to the point where you need to go to a therapist. Maybe you just need to grab a drink or hang out with your coworkers if you have that kind of relationship with your coworkers and say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. Are you guys feeling the same? Have you experienced this before? Or even a mentor. If you have a mentor, that could be helpful. But then I go back on that because it's easy when you start talking about mental health with other coworkers and burnout, it quickly devolves into a conversation of our boss sucks, the company sucks, and then you're feeding each other's negative emotions. And I'll even devil's advocate a piece of it as well, is that what if you were hired on in a role that you sat at the interview and so that you can handle you know, high intensity situations, you know, high stress situations, all these types of things because it's part of the, it has the potential to be part of the job role. We all, we're all in technology. We've all been in technology for a while. We all know those job roles exist. If an outage comes up and you're on the IT side, infra side, whatever, it's, you know, pedal to the metal type of situations. And if that is not good for you, if that is going to cause you to break, that is going to be a problem because that's part of your job role. So that's another one that's devil's advocate of going, do you know what you actually signed up for? Now, granted, I'm not acknowledging or saying toxic environments are good. That's entirely different. Toxic's different than high demand. Right. And then to kind of compound that, maybe the level of stress when you were like, okay, yes, I can handle stress. Like I said, I thrive in the stress. But if someone misrepresents the level of stress that would be present, from a day-to-day perspective, then that's also another issue that you have to be like, okay, this is an everyday occurrence instead of an emergency kind of situation. So let's say, you know, you're on call once a month or what have you, right? You have the pager, the pager goes off, you deal with it. We've all been there. Mm -hmm. But when it's, you're the only person with the pager and you're getting three, four calls a day after midnight, I've hopefully, first of all, you need to revisit (laughs) how your servers are configured and your network sitch. But, (laughs) you know, though, I've I've been there a long, long time ago. I I was the IT girl at one point in my life. And a lot of people that listen that are in the IT space know that some organizations, if they don't have to hire another person or if they don't have to buy new equipment, heck, if they don't have to buy appropriate licensing, they're not going to. And right. I think we're seeing that a lot in security too, where there's not enough staffing. The staffing that is existent want a, you know, a good chunk of change that a lot of organizations, especially small to mids, can't pay. It's not even that they're not willing to, but it really, it produces no value to their bottom line. So that, which is arguable Let me, I can't wait to see comments that are triggered by that. Go for it. But <laughs> I can see where this can compound on people. To your point, I think that's a different conversation. I think that's a different conversation to realistically have with whoever your boss is to say, hey, this is too much, but you need to come with a plan. If I had to bold underline anything, if you're in that position, you can have that conversation, but you need to come with a plan for them because they're not going to know how to handle it either. You need to say, hey, this is ways that could help me, whether it's hiring, whether it's some type of different flex, maybe it's more helpful for you to do three days in the office, two days at home kind of a thing. Right. Right something. Give them some plan. 
There's other things you can do too. Like I've had a lot of luck with meditation. I use Simple Habit, a meditation app. Um, not every day because I suck at that and I'm not going to lie to people <laughs> and say I meditate every day. But what I like about it is it has categories. So if I'm in a certain situation, I can be like, okay, I have five minutes. I'm hiding in the bathroom, feeling overwhelmed and about to go into another meeting. So I can just like stick some earbuds in, go to the app and do it. Luckily, I haven't had that happen in a long time. But (laughs) 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 another thing that you can do is take a break during the day. I mean, obviously, if you're in the middle of a task, you don't want to get up and walk away. But there's been some really interesting studies going on showing that if people get up and they complete a task, take like a two minute break to stand up, go get a glass of water, maybe another cup of coffee, say hi to somebody, you know, that isn't attached to a computer screen. (laughs) That can be good for you. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff saying being surrounded by nature helps. So I, sometimes I have lunch in my backyard so I can like listen to the birds and see the plants and I'm like, oh, it's, it's hot and sunshiny out here. Screw this. I'm going back to my desk. <laughs> <laughs> you brought something up. You totally reminded me. Another thing that actually has always helped calm me down is, I, as some of you know, I'm a, I'm a huge dog person. So I have my dogs. In fact, before we moved offices, the do- our previous office that we had was a dog-friendly office. And so taking a second to go and pet the dogs is always super helpful. Yeah. So get a dog. <laughs> or a cat or, or a cat know, emotional support chicken i don't know and then that way you get eggs too it's all it's a win-win-win <laughs> another thing vacations staycations taking time off that you have coming to you almost everybody has some amount of vacation time why do you think that people don't use their vacation time i can tell you why i don't use my vacation time usually i just have a hard time letting go or the what ifs Mm -hmm. just fully disconnecting because I'm convinced that if maybe it's a little bit of an ego thing too, where I think that, Oh, if I walk away or if I take some time to myself, everything's going to explode. I'm the, I'm the one to help. Right. I think people would benefit by taking more single days off. Cause I think a single day is a palatable amount of time. Yeah. To actually take the day off and say, hey, I'm going to be taking this day as best I can completely off. If you need me, get a hold of me, but just taking some time for yourself and going and doing somewhere. I am not personally a big fan of staycations. I know you didn't ask my opinion, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. (laughs) I'm not a fan of a staycation. I think too many people in our field work from home and Mm -hmm. which will go into my parlay as to why I don't think working from home is a, a great idea as I sit doing recording this in my pers- home office. But I don't feel that there's enough separation for people that work from home. I really think there is something about the ritual of going into an office to do your work and having that separation, that time to go home that's separating you from work. Whether or not you're doing some things at night or not, having that mental separation, I think, I think it's pretty freaking healthy. Yeah. And that's the same, t- same token for staycations is I don't feel like you're staying home. And as we were talking about personal burnout, you're dealing with most people on staycations. What do they do? We're home projects. Yeah. No, go somewhere. You don't have to go somewhere fancy. Just go somewhere for a few days that 
you don't have to worry about your house being clean, about your laundry being done, about anything. Kind of to your point. So there was a a person who used to work with my dad. What he would do is, okay, so we live in St. Petersburg, Florida. What he would do is once a year, take a week vacation with his family, but they would go to Clearwater Beach. Granted, that's only like a half hour, 45 minute drive away, Mm -hmm. but they stayed in a hotel. They did not go home. They did not go to any of the restaurants that they normally go to. So it was a vacation slash staycation of sorts. It was a weird hybrid, but they were like, well, that way we're not at home. We're disrupting our routine and we still get to have fun. That's great. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. If you live in areas that's super conducive to do that, I think that's that's a nice, easy one. I mean, yeah. you know, Chicago is kind of an easy one there, but I personally would rather go out into to nature and not deal with hustle bustle if I'm trying to clear my mind. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I'm actually in the process of planning my next vacation yeah. or mini vacation because when I went to the Dominican Republic with my friends and my husband after Vegas, which, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to put a pin in that. But anyway, that vacation was my first vacation in like a year and a half, two years. And just unplugging and sitting at the beach and reading. I read so much. It was amazing. I was so freaking happy. But okay, returning to that pin that I put in this conversation, (laughs) that kind of goes to your weird professional, personal life blend that can cause burnout. A lot of us want to give back to the community, but give up too much time. And it kind of talks to what you were saying about the crusade and stuff. I'm totally guilty of this. You volunteer for all the things because you want to help and give back. And then you're at the end of the Vegas summer camp week and you're just a hollow shell of what you used to be. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, and you brought it up too in an indirect way. Here's another funny thing. You went on a vacation with a whole bunch of your friends, but are all in the same space and all tend to do the same thing of overcommitting themselves and all these things. On Facebook today, we used to do this event after RSA called Hacker Snowfest. On Facebook today, I made the crazy statement of maybe we should revive it because we haven't done it for the past two years. Yeah, two okay. years. One year. Maybe just one year. And of course, this is like a coordination nightmare that I normally go through to try to coordinate getting all these people out there. People take time off. I take time off, all this stuff, to hang out with the same people that we're at conferences with. Like, we are really broken freaking human beings, and then we're asking ourselves why we're burnt out. Seriously. In closing. Right. (laughs) Right. We're all going through the same stuff. And when you start vacationing with your coworkers, first of all, you must really love your coworkers. Right. But also, maybe you should take a break from work. Maybe you should go talk to people that aren't at all associated with it. Yeah. Just for a hot minute. Just one hot minute. <laughs> that's one of the many reasons why I love the gym. But anyway... Um, I think we're running out of time. So let's talk about what are we talking about next week? So what are we talking about next week? Our lovely work-life integration slash balance slash whatever you want to call it. Great. And as always, feel free to follow us on Twitter and let us know what you think of this week's episode. And then feel free to subscribe to us if you like what we're saying or think that we're moderately amusing (laughs) on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sounds amazing. Well, until next week, guys, talk to you later. Later. Bye.